0: To start today's show, we're going to pay homage to a one-of-a-kind man and a one-of-a-kind football coach in Mike Leach. Let's go. Our Locked On Pac-12, your daily podcast on the Pac-12 Conference. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Lockdown Pack 12 I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin. Thank you so much for making this your first listen or your first view of the day. Part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your number one source to stay up to date with our beloved Conference of Champions, wherever you listen to or watch this show. Please continue to like, comment, subscribe, wherever you listen to or watch it. Thank you to everybody who has done so already. And just a thank you into the ether to Mike Leach for everything. I mean... When you think about coaches in college football who go beyond just the games that they coach, Mike Leach is that. Mike Mike Leach is 100% 100% that in more ways than one, and his coaching tree is still felt in the Pac-12. Sonny Dykes was the coach at Cal. Lincoln Riley is now the head coach at USC. And, uh, you know, his other notable coaching tree disciples, include I think Josh Heupel at, at Tennessee. And uh, there's one other major name that, that I'm leaving out of there. Someone in the YouTube comments can put it down there. But a guy who clearly loved the sport. I mean, he's been a power five football head coach since 2000. And one thing that you, you have to really admire about Mike Leach, of which there were several. And this is just such a tragic and sad situation. I thought about whether or not to come on here and and talk about it because he hasn't coached in the Pac-12 for a few years. But he left an imprint on the Pac-12. He left an imprint on Washington State. I think Cougar fans know and appreciate that. and And I'll get to that. But looking at his career holistically, when you go into an industry that is as competitive, as difficult, and as driven as college football. You either have to be really good at what you what you do or you have to have some new ideas. And Mike Leach fell into a little bit of both of those categories, but especially the new ideas one. And when you're going in into an industry like Mike Leach was, that is so rooted in tradition and you know long tenured coaches and you know guys who have have the requisite experience to succeed and it's hard to just show up and start winning a, as a coach anytime and Chip Kelly went through this when when he first got to Oregon as well as the head coach anytime you introduce new ideas new concepts that are challenging what the old heads know to be true, you are going to inevitably face some pushback. And Mike Leach didn't care because he knew as a football's football guy that what he was doing could work, and it did. There are so few, I mean so few head coaches who have been at the Power 5 level since 2000 that have a record well over 500, as Mike Leach did. And he didn't do it at traditional powers. He was at Mississippi State. He was at Washington State. He was at Texas Tech. And I admire a guy who is willing to sink his teeth in to whatever opportunity he has and want to make it the best he can possibly be. And I remember one of the most iconic college football scenes of the last 20 plus years. Texas Tech beating Texas, Graham Harold and Michael Crabtree on the sideline, Brent Musburger on the call. I remember it vividly. I remember the call vividly. I remember exactly where I was. And Mike Leach was the lead conductor in that symphony of events. And there are so many moments like that, that that just make you go, man, college football really lost something here today. And, And that's really why I wanted to come on and talk about him and and pay homage to a man who gave us so much. In the football sense, he was willing to challenge the, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Convention. He was willing to challenge convention, go outside the norm and say, this is a different way to do it. And that is not an easy thing to do, especially in sports. And so I commend him for that. I commend him for all the games that he won. I commend him for the way that he went about it in terms of being himself authentically through and through. I mean, Mike Leach getting in front of a microphone like this one I'm talking into right now. That was must-see television at all points in time. And college football, I feel this way. You all feel this way, too. It's a very serious thing. Fans take it seriously. Players take it seriously. Coaches, media members, everybody takes it very seriously because it means so much to us. And it's such a special part of our lives. And the other thing I really loved about Mike Leach, in addition to how he revolutionized the way college football offenses operate. I mean, Lincoln Riley runs the football, sure, but he is a Mike Leach disciple. It is an air raid base. And then he's made his own little tweaks to it. And that's what, you know, a lot of coaches who come from, you know, one particular guy, one particular philo- particular philosophy do is they've got that base foundation and then they make tweaks to it, but they wouldn't be where they are. Lincoln Riley wouldn't be where he is or Josh Heupel or Sonny Dykes if they had not coached under Mike Leach first and learned how he saw the game of football, which was different than anybody else. And that that is a revolutionary component. but I, I got sidetracked here. The point I want to make is he went through something that is so serious and so you know involved for for all of us fans emotionally and can get so so tense and so fraught and so chaotic and whatnot. And did it ever seem like he wasn't enjoying what he was doing? I mean, how else can you describe a guy who goes and gives you these just incredible, just incredible sound bites? (laughs) There are so many iconic ones. My personal favorite is the wedding advice he gives to the reporter while he was at Washington State. If you haven't seen that or someone in your family hasn't seen it, show that video to someone who is married, man or woman, doesn't matter and let me tell you they're going to find it hilarious because that's the sort of guy that he was and to go through such a competitive hard-fought tightly knit business that's also very public with that sort of brevity and humor consistently is i think really rare and, and what we will arguably miss most about him you know after we we came to appreciate and i think people did The impact he had on coaching staffs and philosophy and throwing the football and revolutionizing that aspect of the game. The way that he could go and just talk to people and just make them laugh. I I hold a soft spot for anyone who makes me laugh consistently because it's one of the best feelings in the world, isn't it? When you just genuinely laugh and I think that's a hard thing to find amongst college football coaches. You know, Some of them do it from time to time. Some of them do it accidentally. I don't know if Mike Leach was trying to be a comedian up there, but man, he was really funny. And it was really enjoyable to watch. And and at the end of the day, isn't that what we're all trying to do in life? Is enjoy it? And he's someone who brought us so much of that, specifically within the Pac-12, to the fans up in Pullman. And I'm sure Cougar fans are are feeling this loss even more than the rest of us because he did such an amazing thing there at Washington State. They were a mess. They were a mess. They were a one, two, three win team in in, in league play consistently. They were a two, three, max four win team. I mean, it was the sort of program that you looked over. Not overlooked. You looked over because they weren't going to present a threat and Mike Leach went there and all he did was show up and start winning football games and he did it his way and he gave us a bunch of great quotes and you know I've seen a lot of media people come out say they they interact with interacted with him a lot that he was always you know generous to them on on that front I know a, a, a Division I FCS football coach who shared a story on Twitter about how he ran into him as he was an up-and-coming coach at a D3 school in things like 2009, 2010. And he he met Mike Leach and asked him for, for some advice. And they ended up talking for like two and a half hours. That That is not a common sort of guy. But what he did at Washington State was so impactful in the Pac-12. Not just the games that he won the teams he beat that normally you shouldn't have i mean washington state beat oregon i think it was three years in a row okay if you said that phrase in 2010 that was unthinkable that's the equivalent of right now saying colorado will beat utah three years in a row what are you talking about that's what mike leach was able to do he was a good football coach a really good football coach And just the sort of guy that gravitated people towards him because of his presence, because of what he brought to the table on the field, because of his personality and his one-liners or jokes. They weren't really one-liners so much as they were, you know, one – segments, if, they, if that's what you want to call them. But, you know, I remember the, the mascot discussion that that he had. You know, well, what sort of mythical powers does, uh, you know, d- does the Sun Devil have? Maybe you can get one of the Harry Potter people to, you know, figure that out. Like, just so many lines like that, you know. <laughs> Another great one uh, was uh, after a big win, I think, at Mississippi State. He said it's like Woodstock, except everybody's got their clothes on. Like... <laughs> Being able to have that sort of presence is is pretty uncommon in the coaching realm. It's not a bad thing. It's not an indictment of other coaches. It's a testament to how uniquely great he was and, and to make Washington State a relevant program in the Pac-12 rather than what they were when he got there, which was a, a team that no one talked about for any reason. It wasn't just his personality. That led Washington State to becoming relevant, to having uh, an 11-win season, their most in program history in 2018 with Gardner Gardner Minshew at the helm. It was what he was able to do on the field. And and the way that he approached offense and the way that he approached football was just, it was fun to watch. It, It really, really was because it is hard. To get to a place that has fallen on tough times. Like what Coach Prime is about to attempt at Colorado. Which I'll be talking about in in the second half of today's show. It is really hard to go to a place that is just so downtrodden. And turn it around and make it a consistent winner. And that's what Mike Leach did. And I, I think that what I'll miss most about him now... Are, are the quotes? I mean, there's stuff in there that I, you know, reminisce with my family about all the time because they're just so funny. And th- there's just, he was one of one. He was one of one. There's not going to be another Mike Leach. There might be another that has a big personality, there might be another that, you know, has these explosive offenses and he starts at smaller schools, but then, you know, wins a lot at Power Five programs. You you can find those coaches. There's a lot of talented coaches out there, but there's only one Mike Leach, and and I think that's why this is such a sad day for college football. And I I just would have been remiss if I'd come on here and talked about anything else, because at least to to, to start the show, because it's a very college football centric show. I love college football. You all love college football. And I think we all loved Mike Leach. Like, do you know anyone that didn't like him? I know people that aren't even football fans that that were sad about this because his quotes were just so legendary. And you just can't, you can't make that up. There are other ways to laugh in life, but it's different when it comes from a power five football coach, the way Mike Leach did. And, And he just had that presence about him all the time and was, was just one of a kind. And, um, was pretty, was pretty, was pretty sad, very sad to to hear that 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 he passed unfortunately in such a sudden way, and it's it's a bummer because he he left his mark on college football. He left his mark on the Pac-12. Washington State, I can argue pretty easily, is still feeling it to this day. I mean, if it had been a different hire, someone other than Mike Leach, when when they hired him, I think that was in 2011 ish. 13, I don't know, somewhere somewhere in there, early 2010s, Washington State is probably not as relevant today as they have been this season. And that is a testament to the job he did of building a culture, making them a more respectable football brand so that they can attract the sort of players they need to win games. Jake Dickert has done a great job. This year, And it's about to get tougher. He's lost both his coordinators now. His OC went to be the head coach at North Texas. His DC went down to join Kenny Dillingham at ASU. But none of that is possible if there isn't a foundation. And that's what makes some jobs in college football tough is there's no foundation. So it's tough to get attention. It's tough to get in big TV spots. It's tough to get recruits. And it's especially tough up in Pullman, Washington. But it's a lot easier, not easy, but easier for for Jake Dickert now because of the job that Mike Leach did. I mean, he went up and won 11 games in Pullman. I think Dickert's a really good coach. I don't know when they can win 11 games again. That is a really, really hard thing to do. And, you know, I think that year was reminiscent of what he had in 2009 at Texas Tech when they went 11 and one. And, you know, didn't get a chance in the championship game. And that's, you know, a whole other uh, or, ordeal and such. And, you know, what would it have looked like if there had been a playoff? And I'm sure people have that question and such. But he did a lot of great things as a football coach with his with his unique approach to the game of football. He did a lot of great things building that community and that culture up in Pullman. I know that he is revered up there because he didn't just win a lot of games. He stuck around for a long, long time. He wanted to build something, and he did. And I, I know that Washington State, like the rest of the college football world, but arguably even more so, is, is mourning his tragic loss. And I know that I'm right there with you because it's just a bummer. When a guy who has given this sport we love so much is taken away, it's a sad feeling. It, it really, really is. Okay. Let's get off of, over to another topic. And that is Deion Sanders. Deion Sanders is just so magnetic, isn't he? I mean, he he is a little bit like Mike Leach, one of one, but in a different sense. When he smiles, when he talks, he just has this coolness about him. He just has this just, just this sly little, yeah, I'm here. I'm doing it. I know exactly what I want to do. He walks into a room. And it's like he's already been there for three minutes because people know exactly what he's about. And he did something recently that is, uh, shall we say, optimistic if you are a Buffs fan or should leave you feeling optimistic. I will tell you exactly what that is after I tell you about our friends at Bet. Online. your number one source for sports betting info stats news and analysis get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there from pro football to college bowl season to basketball and the world cup we've got it all at betonline.net and if you love sports podcasts you can find those at bet online as well we're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more bet online is where the game starts Alright, so that man Deion Sanders uh, picked up a verbal commitment from the high school ranks recently that uh, should have your attention if you're a Buffs fan, or perhaps anybody else too. He flipped a verbal commit by the name of Dylan Edwards, who is a four-star running back, originally from the state of Kansas, not a recruiting hub. He was, however, the Gatorade Player of the Year in Kansas, He's a top 10 running back in the 2023 recruiting cycle. Yes, I said 2023 recruiting cycle. This could be a guy who puts his name on a piece of paper in ink committing to Coach Prime and the Buffs in about a week, depending on when you listen to this. He's 5'9", 165 pounds, all-purpose kind of guy. He said he wants to be, quote, the best all-purpose player in the country. We'll see if Coach Prime and the offense that that they're able to cook up there in Boulder allows him to do that. They'll certainly have to be better than what they were this year. Spoiler, I suspect they will be. He tallied 1,900 yards and 32 touchdowns (laughs) this year uh, en route to being the Gatorade Player of the Year in Kansas. And he instantly becomes the highest rated player in the 2023 recruiting cycle for the Buffs. Coach Prime has been a regular topic here on the show because I look at the numbers. I know that many of you are interested in him. I'm interested in him as well. And there's kind of a Pandora's box or Schrodinger's cat element to what he's going to be. We won't know until we take the lid off. But you're starting to see little bits of cracks of what he could potentially do. And if he is able... To go get not just a player of this caliber, a player of this caliber who was verbally committed elsewhere, it has to give you premonitions about what he could be down the road as a recruiter, what sort of talent he can actually bring in to Colorado. Because most of us, myself included, expect him to raise the recruiting profile of Colorado. But The question of how high can they go, nobody definitively knows the answer. Bus fans would probably tell you he could get top 10 nationally. Coach Prime doubters and haters would probably say he won't even crack the top 30. It's Colorado. I'm here to tell you that someone who this late in the cycle, in the 2023, this is not a 2024 class, Oh, by the way, he uh, flipped a 2025 four-star wideout from Texas A&M. Now, that's way down the line, but a testament to the caliber of player he's expecting to be able to attract as the head coach of Colorado. The fact that this late in the cycle, this close to the early signing period, he was able to flip this guy, not from some random school, but from one of the best programs in the country, in Notre Dame, on the recruiting front this year and a big brand who went eight and four this year. And it felt like a dud. Can you imagine if Colorado went eight and four in year one, coach prime might be out of there real quick because a bigger offer might come along. It would be a miracle. I don't anticipate that happening. However, this is not the sort of commit that you say, Oh wow, that's a good player. This is the sort of commit given that he was trending heavily towards Notre Dame. And that it's so late in the process that you look at it and go, wait, if he can get that sort of kid, what's going to happen when he's got months and months to make a pitch to a given recruit? And this is a very encouraging first step if you're a Colorado fan. Because the biggest thing Colorado needs, even more than a schematical improvement, is they need talent. The roster is really lacking in basically every position group. They need bodies. They need guys who can come in and be quality power five capable football players because they just haven't had enough of them over the last several years. And I don't think we've heard yet, at least not to my knowledge, anything on whether or not Travis Hunter would come over from Jackson state, but we know he's got his son coming in to play quarterback. And now we know he's got Dylan Edwards. And now I think it's only going to keep going up. There has not been an indicator, whether it's his time at Jackson State, his early tenure at Colorado, this commitment, or anything about him that indicates he's going to be slowing down on the recruiting front, that this is going to be the best commitment he ever gets. It's already the highest rated player in the 2023 cycle. Colorado has been struggling to get four-star guys to come to Boulder for years. And Coach Prime did it in a couple of weeks with a guy who was heavily trending and verbally committed to Notre Dame. I think this could be the first of many dominoes to fall and we will continue to cover them here on the show because I think this is a really interesting case study in just how impactful Coach Prime can be on a program because Colorado is not a quick turnaround, even for Coach Prime. But just how quick it can be will depend on the sort of talent he brings in and what results they can deliver next year. Their schedule is fascinating. They've got TCU again. That is going to get a Fat number in the college football world. I think it'll be on ESPN again. It was this year. I think ESPN's licking their chops of putting Coach Prime's first game as a Buffs head coach against a team coming off of a college football playoff appearance, maybe a national championship appearance if they're able to beat Michigan. I tell you what, that is college football galore. That is really quality stuff, and this is a really quality get for Deion Sanders. It's less about the player himself who has the potential to be a really good player for the Colorado offense. It's more about what it could mean for the Buffs going forward. Appreciate everyone listening. I will see you next time. Rest easy, Coach Leach, and have a wonderful rest of your day.